0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are back here in action taping our first episode since the winter meetings. Had a good time last week in Nashville. And of course, we had some huge news break over the past week. Here to break it all down is the man who has been covering the Los Angeles Angels for the past five years on the Angels beat uh, for MLB.com. Before that, he was spent eight years covering the Twins. He's now a frequent on this show. That's right. We are talking about Shohei Otani, the stunning 10-year, $700 million. We got Rhett Bollinger here to break it all down. Rhett, thank you for returning to the show. Of course. I'm excited to be back on. It's great to have you here. So, we're going we're gonna to start, obviously. This is a big, big news story, especially in our sport, baseball. Um, and I, th- I know that not everyone who listens to my podcast regularly is super up on all things baseball, so we always try to explain what's going on here. So first and foremost, Shohei Otani, uh, best player on the planet right now. He was a free agent, and he just took a record-setting contract to sign with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we're going to break this down. We're going to talk about the Angels. We're going to talk about MLB, Hot Stove, all things here. Rhett, where were you when you found out? How would you find out? You know, it's funny. I was actually at my uh, grandma's house. I was helping her uh, put
1: together her tree and her Christmas stuff, and I was holding my niece, my two-year-old niece, uh, Noli, and my sister said, Hey! check your phone. And I was like, what? Her friend had texted her. And I checked my phone and saw that uh, Otani had posted on Instagram um, that he had gone to the Dodgers. So, you know, it was a Saturday afternoon out here on the West Coast. So it was kind of funny. I always remember that I had my little niece in my hands. So I had to like put her down and then look at you know, take my phone out of my pocket and check. Um, so yeah, it was pretty uh, pretty crazy. And obviously a few days before that and the Friday too with the Blue Jays thing, that was, I saw that. I was just home when that happened. But, um, but yeah, when it actually happened for real with announcement on instagram uh, i was at my, my
0: grandma's house <laughs> so do you think people had i mean i guess there's a question for you do you have notifications for when otani might post something because i didn't even know he had an instagram personally i do i mean i i,
1: I had to follow him and obviously i check and see when he has instagram stories and that kind of stuff especially and I, I did have a funny feeling that um, he was going to break his own signing because that's what he does he's never someone who's going to leak it himself So that's why I was surprised when that initial report came out about the Blue Jays in general. Was I just thought there was no way anyone was ever going to break that story because Shohei likes to control his message and can kind of control his own narrative. So for him to break it himself wasn't a surprise. Um, So I didn't have like a a push alert in the sense that you know if he posted on Instagram that that was going to happen, but um, but I definitely did for stories. I think a couple days before that he had posted a story like congratulating uh, Logan Ohapi, the catcher. For the Angels, uh on joining his agency at you know at CAA. I think people saw that story and thought maybe it was a post, you know, where he was gonna go and that kind of stuff, or what you know, where he was even, of course, was a big deal last week. He didn't know where he was and was he on a plane or wherever. So um so yeah, he definitely wanted to keep track of what he was doing. But um more just more than anything, I think people just saw that and then of course on Twitter and everywhere else or X, whatever,
0: uh, people started posting it and it went viral. I feel like it's going to be one of those things that we're going to remember where we were when it happened, even though it wasn't some gigantic, like like we always talk about, you remember where you were when you watched the game, and obviously it was some epic big play that happened in the game. I remember where I was when Santonio Holmes caught that touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. I'm a Steelers fan. But even though this was kind of quiet, it was him breaking his own story. Like I think we're going to remember where we were, when we found out this news because it's huge news that obviously transcends the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that the number associated with it too, just a 10 and
1: 700 initially, no, we know now, you know, a lot of that, a ton of that is deferred, you know, 680 million of it. So really the value of it now is between like 440 and $460 million in present value. But at the time we didn't know that. So when you heard that 700 million, I think that too was such a shock to people, especially considering he's coming off, you know, um, another elbow surgery. I guess it wasn't Tommy John in a sense, but it's pretty similar. Um, I think that I think people thought he was going to get less than seven hundred million for sure. So then that number just really stood out to be the biggest contract in you know in, in North American sports history, and you know, be bigger than Patrick Mahomes and Mike Trouts and everybody else. I think that was a stunning part too. But we did learn you know days later more about the way the contract is structured, which is definitely a unique contract for a very unique player.
0: Yeah, we'll get into it. I was downtown Chicago walking around enjoying a little Christmassy, you know, Chicago stuff with some friends that were in town. Got the notification. I've got, at this time of year, I got the Bob Nightingale Twitter notifications turned on so I find out everything that's happening whenever Bob tweets it. And then I looked and I saw that number and I was like, holy smokes. And I'm going to ask you this question, Rhett. Were you surprised? By the number, the team, because I was honestly surprised that the Dodgers went that high. Yeah, I mean, I think
1: it's, it's funny because like it's one of those ones where there was a lot of surprise and shock and everything. But if you had told me, you know, a few months ago or even you know a few years ago, the Dodgers were going to sign Otani for a record amount of money, um, yeah, I would have said, of course, yeah. I mean, that made that always made the most sense in terms of just you know the desire to win and all that. You know, I think the Dodgers, you know, are always the betting favorites to sign him in a sense but for it to actually happen in the way that it did and that number especially for an organization that doesn't really sign free agents to, to crazy big deals that you know they get guys via trade and they did you know sign Freddie freeman um they have a big payroll but they're not generally a team that get, takes a big risk like that um and so for that kind of a risk with no opt-outs we learned out later that you know there are technically some opt-outs with related to ownership and um you know the gm there but i think that was kind of crazy too to know that money's all guaranteed for a guy coming off an injury, I think that was kind of a shock. And just, just the whole like, the whole process to go from, you know, the initial report that the Blue Jays had signed him, you know, from the Dodgers uh, blog to, you know, all of a sudden now it's the Dodgers. You know, and I heard the winter meetings, the Angels were still on it, you know, during the winter meetings. So it wouldn't have shocked me if it was the Angels that day too. But um, but I do think it is a desire to win was always what he talked about because, you know, we don't know. That much about Shohei. In some ways, he's a very private person. But the one thing that he's talked about in the past, that's always been important to him, has always been his, his desire to win. And I think if the Angels would have won, I think we would have seen him stay there. I think he's a loyal person, and I think it just they didn't win, and it just wasn't enough. And uh, the Dodgers have a team that's been in the playoffs, you know, seven or eleven straight years, uh, so it gives him a chance to go win and be on the biggest stage. And and try to, you know, it's going to be really fun to see him in the postseason, but uh,
0: definitely a tough week for uh, Angels fans. You mentioned the desire to win and had things shaken out a little differently for Anaheim over the last couple years. Things look a little different. I am curious to know, I know you and I chatted, last time I had you on was shortly after they made those trades at the deadline, and they went on that huge losing skid. They had a lot of injuries. I mean, one of the things I think that's honestly been overlooked a little bit by people, fans, and people covering the sport outside of you, Rhett, and people who are on the beat is this team was decimated by injuries all season. I mean, this was a—they, I think I saw something where like 23 guys who were on their 26-day active roster, opening day active roster, either got DFA'd or put on IL at some point in the season. Um, I'm just curious, though. I mean, do you think that had things shaken out a little differently, if this team stays healthy? If the reinforcements come in, and I mean they went on, I think, like a seven-game win streak around late July, swept the Yankees. Things were looking really good right there before the deadline. If they had continued on that trajectory, and let's just say just made the postseason this past year, do you, how much do you think that changes things potentially? It's a good question, and it's hard to
1: really know, but um, it might not have been enough. I mean, really, I think it's just the culture of winning the Dodgers has done for so long now. I think part of it's just showing once the guarantee of kind of being on a team that's uh, on a, a winning trajectory and I think we know right now the Dodgers with him especially our team is built to win whereas I think it, the Angels even if they would have made the playoffs this year and played better um, I don't know if he would have that would have changed the long-term outlook for that organization Um but I, I do think that you know it's just all about for him the winning and I think it just didn't really happen enough over the course of his entire time there not just the one year it wasn't like it was just this season you know it was six years of being below 500. So I think it just kind of all added up. And you're right. Injuries definitely were a big thing for them this year. And and it's been that theme for, for many years. They've had a lot of unfortunate luck with injuries and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, during the entire tenure. And I, I think I saw a stat from, from Jeff Fletcher, those who registered, I think that Otani and Trout only played together. And I think 48% of the games during their time together because of injuries wow. and all that. So it just kind of shows you that they never really were at their powers at the same time because everyone always kind of talks about, it. they wasted them together. But really if you yeah, if you follow the angels, a lot of the time when, you know, Otani was at his peak, you know, 21 and in, in this past season, those two were two years where Trout was hurt a lot of the time too. So there wasn't too many seasons where, the, you know, Otani was a full time two way superstar and Trout was fully healthy, putting up a 10 war season too. That didn't really ever happen. So uh, it's just kind of tough the way it all worked out for them. And And just never were able to get on a a winning path forward. And now the Angels have to kind of move on and and figure out what they want to do and and add to this team because they still have, you know, some room in their payroll to to add some more players here. they got to get some more pitching. They still have a lot of needs, and that was the thing. Even if they signed Shohei, they'd have a lot more to add this offseason, um, whereas the Dodgers already just kind of have a better
0: core than the Angels at this point. Yeah, I mean, Dodgers won 110 games. Just two years ago, 107 games, something. It was a, it was a high high win total. Can't remember the exact number, but um, yeah, I, I honestly was surprised that the Dodgers ended up going that high. I mean, to what you were saying, this is a team that's very been very shrewd financially. Uh, they gave Mookie Betts that big contract. You look at Freddie Freeman's contract. It's only like a it's only like a six-year, 25 million a year type of deal, and that looks like a great contract. It wasn't one of these 10- to 13-year contracts. So when he when he got injured last season, when he had the torn UCL, I thought this will probably limit the amount of money that the Dodgers are going to spend because I'm thinking they're probably going to look at it as he might not pitch until... I mean, Bob Nightingale was on here a couple of weeks ago, and he brought up, you know, since Otani is playing, it might take him longer to recover from Tommy John than it would the normal uh, the normal... Got pitcher who's coming back if he's going to be a DH all season. So when is he going to come back, and what is how effective is he going to be after he comes back? So I personally thought the Dodgers will probably would not go to this degree uh, in terms of dollar value, and I thought the Angels would be. You know what? We'll do whatever we can to keep this guy. I know. I think you reported just a little bit ago. Perry Manassian has not said how much they were willing to go. So we don't know how much they were willing to offer him, right? Well, we, we do know just from the
1: reporting that, yeah, at this point that they did not match the Dodgers, which you're right. I, it surprises me too, because I would have thought that the Angels would have at least matched the offer or, or done whatever they could financially to keep them, to make up for the fact that they hadn't been winners because they know how much Shohei means to them, you know, on and off the field. I mean, he's such a big draw you know, internationally and just with, you know, fans in general bringing in all the revenue, to him as a player, and even just the ad revenue and the ballpark, that kind of stuff. Um, I would have thought the Angels would have done whatever it took in terms of the financials of it, but it, it sure sounds like they were given, at least at least according to Shoei's agent, uh, Nez Bolello, um, telling reporters um, at the press conference on Thursday that, uh, yeah, in fact, it seemed like the, the Angels were given kind of a, a chance to match it, but uh, declined to. So... Um, so it's interesting to hear that, especially. I mean, I'm sure Angels fans definitely are not happy to hear that because they're going to want to hear that their team did whatever they could to keep Shohei. And right now, it doesn't seem like that might have been the case. But you said that is a lot of money, you know, $700 million guaranteed. Um, but with the structure of it, it's definitely not exactly that. You know, I think it's like got all the headlines of $700 million, but with the deferrals and the way that you know inflation and just the way that money now is worth you know more than money later. The true value really is more in line with what people would have thought. The true value of the contract is really in present day money is like four hundred and forty to four hundred and sixty-five million, whatever it is, which is kind of what I think most people would have guessed. If someone said, "Hey, Shoei's going to get ten and 460, you would have said, "Okay, yeah," because like, that beats Trout's, you know, four twenty-six. You know, it's it's you know high AAV, but um, but when you heard ten and seven hundred, that was like, the big the big shocker that was just like the overall. And he is going to get seven hundred million dollars. It's just going to be spread out, you know, ten years beyond even his playing career. So um, it is a crazy contract, um, but I, I do think the Angels not fully matching it. it is a surprise because I would have thought the Angels would have done uh, whatever it took.
0: Yeah, I thought that he meant more to them than he would mean to another team. Maybe the Giants similarly need to bring in that marquee player to get the fans back, but my thought was it it hurts more to lose Otani than to never be able to sign him at all. Like Cubs fans here in Chicago. And who's to
1: say if they would have, if they would have matched it though too, or even gone over, there's nothing that would have ever of. there's no guarantee you would have took it in a sense, right? Like it seems like everything he talked about leading up to it and everything we believed about his process and everything he said at the press conference over and over again was about winning and winning culture. I think the Dodgers probably were going to, you know, Find a way anyway. I think even if the Angels would have matched or gone above and beyond, the Dodgers might have came back and got another. You know, I, I think that if you really wanted to go back to the Angels, he would have found a way to, to talk to them and made it work. But I think at this point, it just—I think like Ned said, it just wasn't going to work. So even if the Angels did match it, I think that I think just the writing on the wall was that I think he wanted to go to a place where he could win. So I do think the financials—it's tough, and especially for the fans to hear that—but I do think more than the financials, I think it's just the Angels just didn't do enough to win and guarantee him a chance to win going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was obviously willing to get out of the boat and, and go somewhere new. And I think that's where, again, I was the one the things I was surprised by was the Angels, as we have talked a little bit about and you wrote about, they offer familiarity, comfortability, a lot of freedom. It'll be really interesting to see. Will he be granted the same kind of freedom in L.A.? I know that um, he doesn't really talk to you guys very much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the LA Times, Dylan Hernandez, a columnist, had a, a really interesting article about that. Um, just kind of just for the Dodgers to kind of get ready. that it, it is um, – he brings a lot, and it's kind of on his own schedule. You know, he kind of does everything kind of on his own. He's still a good teammate, and, you know, his teammates all really seem to enjoy him, and he likes to talk with him and joke around. He's got a great sense of humor. Um, but he is – he did at least have different rules than everybody else when he was with the Angels in terms of the fact that he only talked – You know, on days that he pitched, he didn't talk to us. Otherwise, he could hit two home runs and not talk to us after a game. Or the Japanese media, you know, that follows his every move. They might get, like, a a statement from the Angels saying, I was happy to hit two home runs or something. But nothing from Otani. So, you know, it's one of those things. I think yesterday he talked. It was the first time he talked to the press since August 9th. You know, he didn't even talk after he won the AL MVP award. So... So yeah, I mean, he's kind of a private guy, but part of it too, is that, you know, the media, he's the only guy in, in MLB who does that. You know, everyone else is approachable and, you know, usually is available pre-game to talk or you can set it up through PR if they have, you know, a busy schedule or whatever it is. And But Otani does not grant one-on-ones, and so it goes beyond that. And so obviously your teammates kind of have to speak on your behalf, and and I think sometimes too it could lead to some jealousy type problems where well, why, how come he gets to do that? But at the same time, I think everyone knows why, because he's Shohei and he's the best player in the world, so he can get away with it, but... Um, but you're right. I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do in terms of that. Are they going to set any more limits? Um, as part of it, they know they're going to have them for the long term, they're for the 10 years. So maybe his agent won't have as much power there. It seemed like with the angels, um, there was a lot of power dynamic there where Shoy kind of was able to do, um, kind of what he pleased in, in that sense. And I don't know if the Dodgers, if that'll continue. Um, so it's gonna be really interesting to see, and I'm, I'm sure I'll hear about it because, uh, you know, Dodgers aren't too far away, and I'm sure I'll still go up the road and, and see him and, and go up there every now and then and hear from other reporters I know well who, who cover that team. So not too far, and I don't, you know, blame him for, for wanting to stay in the L.A. area for sure. So, um, yeah, it's should be kind of interesting to see how he's treated differently there or not. Everybody's going to be kind of the, the same thing.
0: Rhett, uh, we've made mention of this contract, the deferrals. Can you explain how the deferrals work? Yeah, so it's it's
1: pretty interesting where he's obviously going to make $2 million a year uh, for the next 10 years and then defer the $38 million, um, or sorry, the $68 million to make it 70 sorry, the $68 million um, over the next 10 years beyond that. So it's um, really interesting to, to have that contract the way that it is. Um, it, it's, in some ways, it's kind of like... Um, the because the true contract value is like around 46 million dollars because of that. That's what the league ends up saying because of the fact that in 10 years, just you know, that money's not going to be worth as much as it is now because of inflation. You can obviously invest money now, that kind of thing. So they find that rate of inflation or whatever it be right around 4.5 percent, whatever. And That's how they calculate that, that true thing. So I guess one way you could look at it is in a weird way is Shohei's true value is 46 million dollars, so he's getting paid 46 million, but he's only getting the two million. And he's loaning the Dodgers the other 44 in exchange for getting paid $68 million 10 years from now each year. So it's kind of a complicated way of kind of almost loaning the Dodgers that. And what it does is it allows the Dodgers to keep their payroll low because they're only paying the $2 million for the first two years, in a sense, before they have to put some of that into an account to prove that they can pay him eventually. But it helps them with their budget in the short term especially. And then also with their luxury tax term because the Dodgers are a team that generally blows past the luxury tax and right now uh, I definitely seems like they're going to do that after they just you know signed Tyler Glasno to a contract. Um, so once they get past that you know you want to have a lower cap hit uh, and so his luxury tax hit is only 46 million instead of 70 so that's a big difference that frees them up an extra you know 25 million dollars a year to pursue other free agents without having to have that money go over certain thresholds that you get penalized for and get taxed at different rates. So it's a contract that greatly benefits the Dodgers. I know a lot of fans are up in arms and asked how it could be legal, but the CBA makes it explicit that that's absolutely legal. Um, it, it helps for the team because the team, you know, obviously it's not paying the full value in the sense that, that you know, that contract looks like a $700 million. It's really not worth that much in present money. So it helps the team in that sense. But the player gets the headline of saying, hey, I signed this record-breaking deal. Um, so that's why they want it. So it's just tough because the Dodgers are already so good as it is. And then for them to also get a big benefit and have Otani at the same time, I think fans are a little frustrated by it. Kind of like, why does a super team get a benefit? But I think if you would have signed with the Royals or something like that on the same contract, I think it would have been more of a bet. Like, people would have been like praising Otani. Like, hey, what a great guy for saving them money to sign other players. And but when he's, like, doing the Dodgers a big favor, I think people are like, wait, they don't deserve any favors. Like, they don't need any breaks. Like, they already are, you know, the juggernauts of the regular season anyway. Like, we don't need them to, you know, to have this these built-in, like, break or this tax break. And even tax-wise, too, for Otani, what he can do, too, is in 10 years, when he gets paid that 40, whatever, sorry, that $68 million a year, um, he doesn't have to live in California, in a sense. So he would have to get taxed, the California tax rate, too. So... If he could move somewhere else, go back to Japan, he get taxed at a different rate. So so there are some benefits. Go to Texas yeah, and just yeah, keep all your money. Florida or something like that. Or, um, so there are benefits to that, too, um, for tax reasons, too. So, it, it, yeah, definitely generated a lot of buzz because, I mean, when people – it leaked originally that, you know, that he deferred a lot of money. I think it was strategic to kind of make it like a positive thing for the public. Okay, like Otani is doing a great thing for the team he's signing with, and he wanted to do this for every team. Um, but then, when it got leaked, it was you know this much money of it was deferred, and only two million dollars a year. And then it was going to benefit the Dodgers. I think fans were like, "Whoa!" So, you know, the Dodgers cheating here. And then, but part of it too, he's one of the only guys in, in MLB that can do this because he makes like forty million dollars a year in endorsements. And really, there are only a few guys in the league that really make that much money in endorsements. I mean, it, it just truthfully, he's one of the only major stars like nationally and internationally in MLB can afford to do that most guys just don't make enough in endorsements to make that contract work It's only make two million dollars only but two million dollars but uh so for him at least he'll be set up for his retirement and he'll always be a kind of like the bobby Bonilla thing but to a greater extent so the next 10 years after that contract's done is going to be yeah fun but the thing is two people are also saying that it hurts the dodgers so they have to have that money ready for him and pay him when he's gone but in two years from now they already have to set aside an account it proves they already had that money set aside. So they really, it doesn't hamstring them in 10 years. They're not paying him when he's not playing. and They're going to be hurt with their salary, their payroll. It's, it's not how it works. They're going to be fine. If anything, this is a huge, huge benefit to the Dodgers, and every team in baseball would love to have a contract like this with any player. Really, they would take a deferral thing with any player. It's just there's
0: very, very few players that are willing to do it or where it makes sense for them. Well, that brings us to our next question, right? Is it over now? Do we just going to crown them right now? Well, in terms of, I mean, the Dodgers, the NL West, I'm sure, yeah, but I mean, you can't
1: (laughs) crown anybody in NLV for the World Series, that's for sure. We've seen that too much. I mean, the best team does not always win. I mean, it's almost set, especially nowadays with the way it's set up with more playoff teams and and all that. I mean, to me, it's just kind of like a play, it's like a tournament once you get there. And that's why even in 2020. When the Dodgers won, it, I think it obviously still fully counts because it was a, it's another little small tournament that they won for the World Series. But that's what the playoffs are; they're almost separate from the regular season in a weird way. But that's what we celebrate. That's the way it's always been, and not I another mean, hasn't always been. You know, this funny main teams make the playoffs, but I think it makes for fun TV and everything. I and mean, it's really you know. It's, but hopefully, for his sake, you know, for his legacy, it'd be fun to see him do it. You know, it's cool to see him. You know, win uh, the way they did for Team Japan and the WBC was you know, a career-defining moment for him. And, you know, he won a, a Japan series when he was in Japan with the fighters. So to see him, you know, carry on that legacy and, and win a World Series for the Dodgers, and you know, in a full season too, I know Dodgers fans do want a World Series and it hasn't happened in a, sorry, in a full year since 88. So I think they're definitely desperate for a, a, a World Series title. And, and if he can deliver that, he'll be a LA icon. And, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, ESPN's article today that, one of the big pitches that they did with with Tani, which was interesting, which was kind of cool, was I guess there was a video from 2017 during the original pitch. They never actually had to show him because it never got to that point. But Kobe Bryant had filmed the message for, for Shohei to join the Dodgers. And they still had that video, and so they showed it as part of his pitch this time. And I guess that really affected him. Um, and Ipe Mizuhara, his, his interpreters from L.A. or from Diamond Bar, uh, so he understands the impact of Kobe in LA and just culturally, I mean, Kobe's a big part of our, our culture in LA here. So that, I think that also kind of swung show. Away, probably seeing that daughters, they kind of have a little bit of an ace in their sleeve with that. I mean, we tough for the angels to the top that one, although Kobe did come to some angel games. He, he lived down in Newport beach. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, so I think that also probably was a big part of the draw with their, with their big presentation and everything too. So to be part of that legacy in LA, you know, so it's it's a you know the Dodgers have a different legacy than the Angels in, in a lot of ways, but they also haven't won in a long time too. So they I think him him being there,
0: he's he's going to try to be their savior, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, they did win a few years ago. Obviously, it was a COVID year. Some people have kind of discredited it. I wouldn't discredit it, but I think if you said yeah they're going to own this division for 11 years, the amount of talent that they've had, you would have expected them to win more than once. I'm going to say the fans though like you were saying, right? Um settle down a little bit. It's going to if you're a fan of another team, like you said, first and foremost, the playoffs are a different animal. The Diamondbacks yeah, Rangers, got in the World Series. Yeah. They just played each other in the World Series. The it was the lowest win total combined of two teams ever playing in a World Series before. I mean, I still think the Dodgers need some more help in order to be a better team for the postseason. I think they need to get at least another starting pitcher. Yeah. I know they went out and got Glass now. I'm sure we'll make some mention of that or talk about that a little later. But um, and then I, I think the lineup could use a couple more bats too. I mean, I think and then not to mention the Braves are a really good team. The yeah. Phillies beat the Braves. The Phillies almost went to the World Series in back-to-back years. Arizona just swept them. And there's going to be probably another couple teams that are going to get yeah, in Yeah, the Padres still have a good roster, too. I know they traded Soto, but they still have a pretty good team otherwise, too. Yeah. So there's still or, some good teams
1: in that league. And
0: So, yeah, once Reds, you get to the playoffs. The Reds could be the, the Reds hot team next year. I think the Brewers are a dangerous team anytime you get down to the end of the yeah. year. So, yeah, I, mean, ruled them big, out I think last they're going to be the right. favorites
1: in the division again, like they always are. Um, but beyond that, you never know. It's a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs. But I do think Otani can change that calculus once he's fully healthy, if he's going to be a starting pitcher and be dominant again, because that'd be fun to see in the postseason. We haven't seen that before in in pitching in the, in the playoffs. Um, And obviously, we know, next year that he's not going to be ready to pitch by then. Um, I think he's supposed to be, but from what they said, I mean, he's supposed to be throwing like simulated games by like September. So he's on a pretty good pace where he should be ready to go to pitch, you know, full speed by, you know, 2025, I guess it wasn't a full Tommy John. It was, it was something similar to it, but something that hasn't really been done too often, but I guess where the tear was, was a good place. Otherwise, I think the Dodgers wouldn't have probably done this deal if there was any concern. But uh, the doctor that did it talked to the LA Times, and uh, from all the reports, and even from talking to Neds and everything else when it happened, the tear wasn't a re-tear of the original UCL. It was in a different spot, and so it was able to be repaired separately, and the original UCL repair is still fully, re- you know, totally fine. And if that was not the case, if he would have torn that again, then I think that he wouldn't have got that contract, and there would have been a lot more worry about him coming back from Tommy John twice. But the fact that it was a different type of surgery, I think, gives more optimism. And um, I guess the success rate is supposed to be, according to the doctor who performed it, who performed it at least, uh, just as high as a regular Tommy John surgery, which is you know above ninety percent. So I think there's a pretty strong chance we're going to see a you know Otani back at his normal two-way you know power here in, in
0: 2025. Do you think at some point he ends up moving the bullpen? No, if only because it's just hard for him to schedule that. You know, how do you availability,
1: even what if if he's, you know, due at the bat? How does he get warmed up for the ninth, whatever? You know, there's just too much logistical issues. And even just the injury concern on that, too, is still, you know, pitching every other, you know, day and once it's availability. So I think there's just too many logistical problems for him to pitch and relief. I, I think it still makes more sense for him to start. Um, the way that he does. And, you know, and it's going to be interesting with the Dodgers. Are they going to continue to do what the Angels did and do a six-man rotation? And, you know, how adaptable is that going to be? And <clears throat> so that's going to be interesting, too, even for the Angels is, is you know, for some of their young guys. You know, how, is, how are, you know, Patrick Sandoval and Reed Detmers and some of these guys gonna adapt to do, going to adapt to go into a five-man rotation? Um, you know, are they going to pitch better because it's more of a normal routine instead of the one mm. with Shohei where it was sometimes every six, sometimes every seven? Someone's every eight days. You know, Tyler Anderson had a great year with the Dodgers uh, as part of a five man. Then he comes over to the angels and had a, you know, a really rough year as part of a, you know, a modified six man. So maybe, you know, we'll see how that kind of goes. So, so maybe yeah, maybe that, yeah, we'll see how that plays with the angels. And then obviously that's going to be the Dodgers issue in tears.
0: What happens now for the angels, obviously, and this is a huge loss. It's a huge bummer for the fans, as you mentioned. I mean, it just stinks if you're an Angels fan, or if you're if you someone who's an Otani fan who became an Angels fan, and it's obviously a bummer. I mean, I when I was at I went to White Sox uh, Angels game this past year, and I saw so many Japanese fans that I hadn't seen before at a White Sox game. Like that's obviously a huge draw, brought a lot of people in. I mean, so so. How big of a loss is this, and and where the, what's the future looking like in Anaheim? Yeah, it's huge. You know, it's a big one for the for the fans. It definitely hurt to lose Otani for the organization. And said just you said the
1: fans that are just Shohei fans that came in from Japan or just locally that were just big fans of his, who wanted to see him, and, and even just the local you know advertiser or the Japanese advertisers and everything. It's a you know a big big loss. But you know, and the way that he could produce as both a hitter and a pitcher, it's really hard to you know to replace. So for now, they got to kind of go out there and and at least they still have some money to spend. I think they're about $70 million under the luxury tax threshold. So there is some ability to go out there and get, you know, some help with the starting pitching, maybe another, you know, bullpen arm, and then maybe go get a bat, kind of a DH-type, bat-first-type player uh, to replace Otani at DH. Um, There are some guys out there that are kind of bat-first-type DHs. You know, J.D. Martinez is out there and – I think, what, Teoscar Hernandez, Reese Hoskins, there's some guys that Jorge are... Jorge Soler would be another Jorge one. Jorge Soler would be one of those guys. Some guys that are kind of more DH types or can play some other positions but are mostly better suited for DH. So there are some some bats out there that could make sense for them. I don't know if they'd go all the way up for a Cody Bellinger type or not. Same thing with, you know, I wouldn't think, would think they'd probably get into the Yamamoto sweepstakes or Yamamoto sweepstakes for, for pitching, but beyond that, there's some starting pitchers out there. And then there's guys available in trade, whether it's Dylan Cease or Shane Bieber. So there are still ways to improve the roster. It's not like it's just, oh, we lost Otani and there goes everything. And they didn't really win with Otani anyway. So I think in some ways, spending all that money on one player, I know now with the way that this contract worked out, it would have been a little different, but or a lot different than if they would have spent, you know, 70 compared to two. But um, but I do think that some of the they have a little bit more flexibility now to spend and and improve multiple parts of the roster. Spending all kind of one player, but obviously they loved that show, especially with the way his contract ended up working out. That would have been ideal, but clearly the organization didn't feel that way. From what we you know been hearing, they did not want to match that contract. So it seems like they want to go out and kind of spend that money in other ways and improve the roster. They still have Mike Trout. They're hoping for a more you know a healthier year from Anthony Rendon. Obviously a new manager in Ron Washington. They're hoping kind of changes the culture. Got a lot of young players, a young core. That we saw kind of emerge last year. So there's still some reasons to, you know, still have some excitement for this team. But in the short term and right now, it, it definitely is hard to see that because it's like Otani was such a big part of this franchise. And to lose him is just hard to describe. It's hard for the, for the Angels fans because he meant so much. And it's kind of a face of this franchise.
0: Yeah, I like I like <laughs> what you're saying, Rhett, because I think there's some a good way that you can improve your roster through a lot of these mid-level type of free agent contracts where instead of spending, you know, $700 million on one player spreading across, forget $700 million, $200 million across several players. I think there are a lot of ways that you can do that. I mean, look at what Kansas City's doing, um, which is funny that we're talking about the Royals here in the (laughs) offseason, but I like some of these moves they made. I mean, they pick up Michael Walker, Seth Lugo, Chris Stratton, Hunter Renfro, who you got to know a little bit in Anaheim last year, (coughs) Kyle Wright, and so now this is a team that over the last several years has really struggled with their pitching staff and putting a good pitching rotation together, but now you're looking at a starting five of Cole Reagans, Brady Singer, uh, Waka, Lugo, and Kyle Wright. That's a pretty (coughs) good rotation in that division. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing,
1: you know, and that's what the Angels did last off season. Um, kinda added a lot of pieces instead of just one big piece. You know, they ended up trading for Renfro you talked about and traded for Urshela, who I thought was a great Urshela's piece for them before he got very earned. good, yeah. So, um, you know, they signed Brandon Jury, who he was playing really well too. He played, he played great for them when he was healthy and a good two year deal there. And um, you know, Esteves and they you know they had Tyler Anderson who's coming off a great year with the Dodgers. So the Angels kind of did that last year, and it didn't quite work out. But I think some of it was more bad luck than it was a bad plan. I think it was a good plan. It just didn't really work out, which I think is kind of the Angels, you know, might as well be their tagline these days. (laughs) Good intentions, (laughs) but it didn't work out. So uh, they tried their best. But, yeah, no, I I do think that makes more sense for this team. Like the Dodgers do have other needs too, but they're just in a better position to pay a bunch of money to one guy because they already have a bunch of other core players that are – you know, key veterans that are already proven players. Whereas the Angels right now do have some interesting young players, but sometimes it's hard to count on those players uh, to, you know, know exactly what you're going to get. And then you just need more pitching depth there for sure. And then I said, I they do think they need to get at least one kind of bat first player who can DH a lot, but um, you know, you still want to get some DH time to, to Rendon and Trout, but I do think that they need another bat in there to replace. If they don't replace Otani's bat, They'd be in, you know, they'd be in some trouble. So they got to get another bat in there, but probably just maybe the one bat, and then really focus uh, on pitching and even the bullpen as well. They've added, you know, some guys on one-year deals so far. You know, Adam Simber and you know Luis Garcia, Adam Klerik, um, traded, you know, with the Braves and got a lefty and Tyler Thomas. So they, they've added to the bullpen, but only one-year deals. So there's still a lot of room to to add more. And like I said, they're they're seventy million dollars under the threshold. And they went above that threshold at the, at the trade deadline, so you got to figure they'd at least get close to it. So that, that gives you a pretty good amount of money to work with uh, going forward. And I think especially now that you're out on Otani, my guess is I'll probably be out on the other really big names like the Bellingers and the you know, the uh, Yamoto's and guys like that, and, and probably more likely that goes you not know, because you i know, second tier. But I guess if they made a trade for a, an ace for a guy on a one-year deal on the last year of their deal, I could see that too. Trying to trade for a Shane Bieber. Just a matter of the prospects right now. Do they have a deep enough farm
0: system? After the trades of the deadline, I guess we're going to find that out here pretty soon. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So you wouldn't see them going for like a Jordan Montgomery? I, I think so. No, he would make sense. I think. I think so. I mean, I think that they need all the help they can get,
1: and a top the rotation type guy like that uh, would be a you know would make a lot of sense. I just don't know if they're going to go for like the really top like, like so the Yadier could probably get three hundred million. They're not going to go that kind of high, but I, I think that Montgomery would be a guy that could be in there. And even Blake Snell, I know he's going to get a lot too, but you know I, I think those guys would make them a lot better, and they should look at any way they can get that rotation to be <laughs> better, because Otani was their ace, and he was their best hitter, along with Trout, and now you got to replace both an ace and a, a top hitter, and then also a lot more on top of it, because they still only won 73 games in back-to-back years with Otani
0: as a top two-way player. Um, then we mentioned it. I mean, we'll, we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes, but we do have a trade here. The Dodgers are getting Tyler Glass now and Manuel Margot. Um, I think this is interesting. I mean, I really like Glass a lot. However, one of the concerns for the Dodgers' pitching staff has been durability, and the most amount of innings that Glass now has thrown in a season is 120. So I feel like this obviously there's a very high upside here. But it, there's also the potential for what we've kind of seen with the Dodgers pitching staff going to the postseason in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I think right now, I think teams just kind of realize there's not that many guys that throw that many innings anymore. There's not that many aces that throw that mm-hmm. many innings. So I think teams are willing to pay for the quality as long as the quality is really high. And when he is healthy, it is a really, really high quality. And you're just hoping you're going to do whatever you can. To get as many innings as you possibly can, but just hope to keep them healthy for the postseason. And right now, that was their biggest thing. Last postseason was seemed like all their starting pitchers got hurt at the wrong time. That a really young postseason rotation. So I think for them, if he gave them 120 innings, but was healthy for the postseason, they would take it in a heartbeat. They would love that. So it's just it's just different the way the games change. I think just teams are are not looking for innings as much as looking for quality and I think he fits the quality mold and they signed him to an extension I believe too or signed him to an extension so it makes a lot of sense for them they need quality pitching we saw it last year for the first time it fell off a little bit for them um, they need that depth and uh, you know they, they gave him a young a young arm I've seen pepio is I think could be a really good pitcher down the line so it was like in the Rays are a very smart team so I'm sure it's going to be a good return in general uh, so yeah but I, I think it makes sense with the modern game with the way it's going but you're right if you're looking for him to throw 180 innings, they're good luck. And they also they know that when they made that trade. He's not a guy that's right. do that. So just the way the game has changed.
0: I just I just want him healthy in the postseason. That would be yeah, the exactly. same thing. I want all the stars out healthy in the
1: postseason and especially Shohei and all these guys. Let's let's see him in the postseason. And it'd be nice to get Trout back there sometime again to soon <laughs> too especially for the poor angels fans. It's been a long time.
0: <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, I know you got a run. Is there anything else on Otani off season related that you want to bring up here before? We yeah. Just for now? That. I got a story on angels.com on MLB.com today about, uh, you
1: know, the Otani stuff that happened this week and the GM Perry menace talking about, you know, how they plan to pivot from here and who's available. So uh, and my newsletter, is still going to run twice a week. So if you go on MLB.com and you click on the stories, you can subscribe to the newsletter it runs every Monday and every Thursday. So look in your I- in inbox. Uh, a lot of it so far is about Otani. Uh, going forward, it won't be as much Otani. It's kind of a <laughs> it's, you know, it's in the past. So, yeah. So just uh, follow along there. And on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, uh, at Red Bollinger
0: on there too. So, yeah. I'm still calling it Twitter. I don't care. Same. At- <laughs> yeah I don't, too it's, confusing it's So strange call it just x whatever but yeah follow me on there on
1: where i kind of still post my articles and try to interact when i can but uh not as much as i used to unfortunately with the way the <laughs> form works but but uh, yeah but i'm on there and said so the newsletter definitely is a a fun thing i get to do twice a week and good good updates on the team and a lot of fun stuff in there for sure
0: he's rhett bollinger follow him on twitter at Rhett Bollinger, read his work at MLB.com. MLB.com slash angels, easiest yep. place to find it, right? Absolutely, yep, or just angels.com, yep. All right, so thank you so much, Rhett. Great having you here. Well, thanks for having me on, Jack. All right, y'all, that concludes our conversation today with Rhett Bollinger. Uh, one of the very best, always enjoy having him on. It's fun, last time we had him on, we were talking about the Pac-12 changing. He's a huge college football fan, college sports in general, big USC guy. Not a great year for his USC Trojans, but um, again, you guys can follow him at Rhett Bollinger on Twitter and follow his work at MLB.com. Back from the winter meetings, was not able to put out an episode last week. This was kind of a crazy week with this Otani thing. We were trying to figure out when we could fit this episode in. Rhett wanted to be able to get as much info, go to the presser, get... Otani talked to Perry Manasian before coming on here, Um, and all that stuff happened yesterday, which was Thursday. We're taking this on Friday. Um, Hopefully this gives you a nice look into everything that went on with Otani's free agency and why he made this decision to go over to the Dodgers. I mean, as we mentioned, it was something that I feel like it seemed obvious this whole time. Uh, Most people had him going to the Dodgers. They were the betting favorites, but there's a lot of stuff at the Winter Meetings that a lot of people at the Winter Meetings thought that he was going back to the Angels. Who knows how close it was. It sounds like he kind of had his mind made up the whole time, but there was a lot of information there. There were a lot of reasons why it made sense for him to go back to the Angels. Um, and really, I, I, when I found out that he was leaving the Angels, while I was surprised, I wasn't shocked that it was the Dodgers because I didn't think he was going anywhere I don't think he was leaving the West Coast. I don't think he was leaving California. But the terms of the contract, very surprising. The actual contract itself, this decision, how it all came about, when it came, definitely a lot of surprise in there. Um, As it relates to the MLB offseason, I feel like a lot of people have been saying, you know, this offseason hasn't been too exciting. Honestly, I I don't really know what, what you expected, though, because aside from Otani, the position players that are out on the open market, there are a couple of all-stars, but it's not a gigantic free agent class. So you've got Bellinger and you've got Chapman. Um, and Bellinger could be holding out for a while. I mean, Bob has said that on this show, Bob Nightingale, that Bellinger might not be signing until we get into spring training. So anyway, we'll have you covered here throughout the off-season. We'll have another episode coming soon. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Um, You can follow me on social media, at Jack Vita Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Jack Vita Show. Like I said, we'll have more uh, coming soon, more guests from the world of baseball talking off-season stuff, so be on the lookout for that content. We'll also have some conversations with reality TV contestants, and other interesting guests. Uh, this is, you know, we're, we're back in the flow of doing the podcast because we had eight weeks out in the Fall League and then one week in Nashville at the Winter Meetings, but this show is back. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going into the new year, so um, please subscribe. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters.